We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. I mean, you guys are the best team in Chicago. Everybody knows that. We all know that the afternoon show is not afraid of anything, really. Yeah. But Afternoons on the score. Welcome back, Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Thanks for being with us. Pleased to be joined now to talk a little White Sox baseball over at NBC Sports Chicago, the White Sox Talk podcast. They've been getting everybody on. One after another after another, man. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Ryan McGuffey with us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Ryan? What up, boys? Twenty-four days to spring. Or Twenty-four days to opening day. God, it's spring training, but twenty-four days. Here we go. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, man. Like everybody, who'd you like talking to the most? I mean, every day it seems like you guys have had a different person. Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, Chuck. Obviously, uh, he's been down there since uh, before the players got down there. So, um, and and he's just, you know, we collaborate a couple times a week about you know ideas, and then you just kind of attack them, but. I mean, there's this is a great time to to get guys. Spiegel, you know that. I mean, um, you know, there's a little bit of reflection with last year. There's that 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 you know refresher of like the new beginning, kind of putting the work in to get to this point. So there's some perspective about what went wrong and some goals about you know what might go right and all that stuff. So the Sox have a couple guys, as you guys know, uh, they're pretty cerebral and thoughtful. And Giolito comes to mind. Kopek comes to mind. And then you never know what some guys are going to say, whether it's TA or uh, <laughs> you know Lance Lynn, stuff like that. So um, you can you can probably go up and down the tw- uh, the twenty six men, and then then the guys, the bonus guys, who are in camp and and find a million stories that are. Uh... And when you have no timeline, when when you're doing interviews in spring, and especially on the podcast, you know, ten minutes can be thirty minutes pretty quick. Do you think they've had a good camp so far? Here's what I, here's what I think. I, I think. <laughs> And it says it sounds like so basic, but like I really like what Pedro Grafal is bringing to the camp. Um, the accountability and kind of the way, like he's a very short-term thinker. Instead of thinking like big picture expectations, it's really very much about kind of it's Monday through Friday. Here's the five things we're here are our goals this week, and then they go back to do a little reflection. They kind of check the boxes of what the things they did well, what the things they need to keep fine-tuning, and then they set a new goal for next week rather than sit there and go, okay, goals to win the division, goals to win the ALCS, all that stuff, that World Series or bus stuff that was kind of coming from the south side the last couple of years. You haven't really heard that much from Camelback Ranch this year. 
And I don't think that's a bad thing because quite frankly, I'm not sure outside of Camelback Ranch, how many people would buy into that fans, media, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of players with a lot to prove individually. And there's a lot, obviously as a team that they have to prove as well. So um, I think there's a lot more accountability going on right now at Camelback Ranch. I think there's a lot more coaching going on, quite frankly. Hmm. Hard to do less. I, that's that's fair. And, you know, I'm seeing drills that are happening at uh, in ways that I haven't seen before. Like, th- you know, things that are going to clean up a lot of the problems they've had. And look, they went out a couple of times in the first week of games and, and made some of the same mistakes. But Grafol said, you know, I'm all for you don't want to just sit there and say, like, I want to see all the things work. I want to see some things fail too, so they can you know nip those in the bud when it comes time for for games at the end of the month. So, I just think that you're seeing kind of a much more professional camp. I mean, I was there for like a week, and and that's and that's what I noticed. I just and I noticed, and with that, I saw a lot more fun being had. I saw players really buying in, really liking each other. A lot of um, the camaraderie type stuff, the clubhouse type stuff. I saw cards being played in the clubhouse, guys. That seems like old baseball tales that hasn't been done. I can't remember. Honestly, I, I was thinking we were talking about it one day in the clubhouse. When was the last time you saw cards being played and you look over and it's Gavin sheets, Andrew Vaughn, Billy Hamilton, Kendall Graveman. You get, it's just, it's not like three buddies hanging out. It's, it's just like the guys who want to play. doesn't matter where you're from, sit down and let's play. And that's the kind of stuff that that clubhouse has been missing the last couple of years. That's a lot. That's very interesting stuff there from Ryan McGuffey. A more professional camp than when the Hall of Fame manager was was in charge. Um, it, t- tell us a little bit more uh, about that. The um, like drills that you're seeing and stuff like that. Because like I, I wanted them to make big shift changes, uh, philosophical changes, to work on fundamentals. Last year they did none of it. You're seeing some of those conversations and some of those kind of drills in terms of defense going on. Oh yeah. And I mean, they're doing like, uh, like, uh, like one hop drills where the player's back is turned and a, and a whistle is blown and the ball's in play. So when they turn, it's quick reaction and the balls are, it's, it's already like skipping by the time they've already turned and they have to react. And those are like little things like that, that I haven't seen uh, tennis racket, tennis balls up in the air for catchers and kind of read and react quickly wherever the ball's going. And with the tennis ball in the wind, it's kind of going all over the place. And it's, you know, catch with one hand, not with two. Like it's, it, again, this sounds like, you know, 12-year-old travel ball stuff, <laughs> but it's it's stuff that the teams that do it at the elite level have been doing. Sliding. This team's had a lot of sliding issues, right? I mean, broken hands, broken fingers, because they don't know how to slide. They're spending time doing the things that are going to be done on game one. And what I really liked you know, we always talk about you can win or lose it. You can't win or or lose a division in April, and May, but you can lose it. And Grafal's backed that up to spring training. He's saying you can't win or lose the division in spring training, but you can lose it. And that was interesting because that's the first time I ever heard it that way. Because if you put the message in, in play on day one when they walk into camp, when you walk into March and April – that mentality has already been playing on repeat by the time you get to game one, rather than allow it to happen for 30 to 35 games. And then all of a sudden you're looking up at the standings and you're 11 and 16 and chasing. So again, really little details that could add up. I mean, 
They're, they haven't been a very good defensive team. You know, we know that. That's not breaking news. They didn't add some superior gold glove defenders to, to, to change that. They're going to have to clean it up with the guys they have, and a lot of that's just by staying on the field. So I do like the coaching that's going on. I like that the fact that most of this coaching staff has won at other or in, organ, in other organizations and know each other and their buddies and like they're kind of they're back together again, having done it elsewhere and, and learning from key organizations like the Atlanta Braves. So I think uh, that's the kind of stuff that I took away. Like I walked out of there thinking, okay, like there's some cautious optimism. I think the narrative that was being spewed, you know, in the week that I was there, the week, maybe the week after, obviously like the TA thing kind of caught fire, but I think it was kind of taken out of context a little bit as well. Cause the message there is just, it was so much different than the message that was being portrayed back in Chicago at the time. And I just think sometimes like that this Clevenger cloud is gone in the interim. I think they can just like go out and play and just try. I mean, they got to stay on the field and we all know that. Mm. Um, I, I, I can tell Danny's um, or I bet he's dying to talk about TA and Clevenger. Oh, and we no, should, you know, it's fine. I mean, yeah, I, no. I, I, I think that both, both are interesting conversations, yeah. but yeah, you know, but luckily we're only eight minutes into the segment um, and Ryan McGuffey <laughs> has, has lots of good stuff and he's going to give us more time or as much as we need. Damn it. But anyway, Guff, um, first of all, those coaching drills, it reminds me of stuff that Joe Madden did when he got here in 2015, like just threw a bunch of weird stuff at Javi Baez, trying to get him to think about it differently and stuff like that. And, it, and the fact that you said like the, the players are enjoying it, it's coaching. They want to be coached. They, they want to be dealt with like that. And it leads me to what, what Jose Abreu said Thursday about last year and the private previous years. The best way I can put it is that we weren't a real family. I'm hoping the Sox can get to a situation where a lot of the guys uh, are there. They do deserve to be in a good situation. They can have it there and be able to win. These guys, the Astros, they're a real family. And I don't know if he sees that and believes that already, but a part of them not being a real family, what is that about them not talking, not hanging out, not playing cards, not being in a good headspace like you're already seeing in camp? Well, look, they have had no leadership for two years. And obviously, I'm not just going to pinpoint the manager here. I, I, there was a lot in that Jose Abreu by saying a little, uh, the, 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 the piece in the Sun-Times. I think, you know, hey, Jose, and look, retire the number, build the statue. I've said it a million times. He's one of the best players in the history of the organization. You know, I'm not going to crap on that and, or, or how tough he was. I mean, the guy played through everything, basically played 155 or more games a year. But... I don't think there was a lot of leadership in the room either. And that, you know, look in the mirror there, Jose. That's the kind of way I look at it. Because you had Aloy Jimenez, you had Yoan Mancada, you had Luis Robert, guys that he was supposed to mentor. And, and, and those are the guys that were not on the field. And those were the guys that you're relying on or signed to be stars at this point to kind of take that baton and that pressure from Jose. And I think even. Well, so who's the, the leader on the us, field this year? Who's the leader in the room this year? I think it's Elvis Andrews. I really think that one-year, $3 million deal changed the tone of, of the entire clubhouse. I really do. I know it sounds crazy. It does. But, I, I, said it, I said it last I week. I, said, I was so excited at the Everyone's signing. Everyone's saying it. It's like, I mean, okay. <laughs> like, like, it just, it's a, yeah, okay. They got it. A they need, a scoff. There. They need, I think it was, no, it was guys, a verbal scoff. You, don't don't, on, don't, no. don't your best players need to lead? Am I, am I wrong? No. No, you you're, you have to no 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 you the, the clubhouse 
don't don't get confused that you're looking for an all-star gold glove second baseman here. If that happens, that's that's bonus. You need that team needs guidance in the room. So when crap hits the fan, that it's not pitchers you're relying on that pitch every fifth day. Right. It's guys who are actually playing the position or guys who are in the lineup every day or every other day that can say, you know what? Enough's enough. The damn guardians are in town and we're going to dictate the way we play. Not the other way around where you sit on your hands and everyone's just like, well, let's hope the, hope we can beat them tonight. And you go 15 and 38 or whatever it is in game one of a series because you're not prepared to play. I don't like that's the stuff like Elvis Andrews is going to bring that to the room. And again, Billy Hamilton has a little bit of that. Whether he makes the team, I don't know. But I would say because he has that little glue guy thing, he certainly doesn't help or, or certainly helps. I mean, so they missed like Juan Uribe in 2005 was <laughs> one of those guys. Like he was the guy that came in, stirred the pot, busted some, you know what? And guys reacted to it. And that's what you need when you're playing every single day for six months. Was Juan Uribe the fifth best player on the White Sox in 2005? No. But you know what? They loved him in the clubhouse. He mixed it up. Sometimes there was some verbal jabbing. They didn't agree. But you can't just be buddies for 162. And you can't be enemies for 162 and expect it to work. It's just not like it. it's a different sport. It's not something you can just take everything and throw it in a blender and get all jacked up from a playlist and go out and play on Sunday <laughs> in a football game. You know, that's just not how baseball works. So Elvis Andrews might sound crazy, but if Elvis Andrews hits 250 and is a glue guy in the room, who gives a damn? Because I think he, I think that signing really changed the clubhouse. I really do. Ryan McGuffey, NBC Sports Chicago, the White Sox Talk podcast, is our guest. You, you said, you know, the cloud of Clevenger is gone because he's been uh, found – basically for no wrongdoing and there will be no punishment from, from major league baseball. So let's put that aside uh, and talk about the baseball side of it. Now that that story is seemingly behind us. Uh, what do you think is realistic to expect from him on the field? Fair question, man. I mean, because of what, because it's a $12 million deal, you know, I'd say my biggest question going in, right now going into the season is starting pitching depth and that includes Mike Clevenger. So because you added him and there's expectation that you need him, I think he has to make 26 or more starts. I mean, I don't know if he, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he needs to be the guy in Cleveland that was like 17 and four with a sub three. If you get that, then you're off and running. But I mean, I just think you need him to, Make take the ball every fifth day and get you five plus. I mean, I if that's 12 million, like I, I take the financial part out of it because I just don't know. You know, a year ago at this time, we weren't talking about Davis Martin at all. I mean, very few people in the organization were probably talking about Davis Martin, and now you kind of need Davis Martin and like two more Davis Martins because you know, you guys know more than anyone, you need eight or nine starters to get you through 162 and very rarely, you know, do you catch lightning in a bottle and get five guys going 29 to 32 starts? Cause when you do that, you're the 2005 white Sox and you just win the world series. And those teams, especially in 2023, there's not, there's very few, if any of them, the way the pitching market is. So I think with Clevenger, like most of the white Sox, you need health. And that's, it's the biggest question probably going into the 23, 23 season with everyone. The whole team is, can can these guys stay on the field and 
can they become the guy that you expect them to be? And like, cause like Aloy Jimenez comes to mind. Like if he plays 140 games, you're allowing him basically to miss a month, right? Like you're giving him 22 games. I think he fall. I think he does by doing nothing falls into 40. <laughs> but again, we've, we haven't seen it. Luis Robert has never played a hundred games like that. That like pisses me off. Like I can't imagine what it does to the front office. So those are the guys. And, and back to the Clevenger question, Look, you signed him for one year, $12 million. I mean, that's not a guy you're expecting to make 15 to 19 starts. You're expecting him to be a cog in your rotation. So that's why I say he needs to be 25-plus and maybe even 28-plus. And and you're not expecting him to, you know, give you a 5 ERA doing that. Um, no, you're right. You, it needs you, to be like, you know, high threes, maybe low fours at, at, at worst. Right. And so, so, yeah. I, I, what, what do you expect from Lucas Giolito? Gave up three hits couple earned runs yesterday, did strike out three. Um, because if Giolito is what he was last year, then they need Clevenger to pitch like a three or a four. Yeah. I think the way I look at it with Giolito, like, first of all, he looks great. Uh, Aloy looks great. Like, this isn't just, like, uh, window dressing that they're saying, like, oh, I lost 20. I mean, they really do. They both look outstanding. With Lucas, he's probably got more to prove as much to prove than anybody on the roster. I mean, he's going, this is a huge year for Lucas Giolito. Talk about individually. So he, he needs to pitch well for his own success going forward. Cause this, he'll be a free agent at the end of 2023. And you know, if he pitches extremely well, he's going to get a hundred plus million dollar contract and probably do it somewhere else. So <laughs> I think it's going to, I think Lucas going to bounce. I don't think he's the guy he was last year. Speaks I, when he came in so heavy to spring training, it was so evident that like, dear God. And then he spent the first two and a half to three months trying to get back to the guy that he was prior to the the weight, the the, the bulking up. So when you know these guys, when and we looked at his velocity in spring training. I mean, he's lost at least a mile and a half per hour since 2020, I want to say. He was in the high. His average fastball was 94.1 in 2019. It was 94 in 2020. It was 92.8 in 21. It was like 91.5 last year or something like that. So that's not those numbers aren't good. That's not a good trend. And I think if he if he's going to have that success, he needs to have the velocity back on his fastball because we know he's a two pitch. I mean, he has four pitches, but he's really a two pitch pitcher. The changeup is the best pitch, but if you're throwing average 91, 92 mile an hour fastball, that changeup is not going to really fool anybody. So I think in order for Lucas Giolito to be successful, he needs to get that average fastball velocity back up into the 93s. If he can get to the 94s, I think you'll get more of that all-star form of Lucas Giolito. All right, two quick things from me, Guff. So just to be sure I heard you right, you think this is Lucas Giolito's last year at the White Sox? I said if he pitches really well and commands that type of uh, big, that like that five, six year, $125 million deal, I could see I could see it being his last year with the White Sox. If he pitches like the guy he was last year and needs to, you know, I don't think he's going to get that kind of deal. So... Um, Basically, if he's cheap, he'll be a White Sox, and if he's expensive, <laughs> he'll be somewhere else. <laughs> Here, I, you know what? I think there's a strong chance this could be Lucas Giolito's last year with the White Sox. How about okay. that? Uh, and then where would you come out on over or under 30 starts for Eloy and Wright? Ooh, that's a good number. Ooh. 
over under 30 starts in right field for Aloy Menace. I will go, oh, baby, I will take the under, but not by much. All right. All right. That's a good number. I, one quick thing for me. Leori Garcia going to make this team. It's two years left on the deal, a total of $11 million. But if they like Romy Gonzalez, uh, and I know they do, they do. Uh, what do you think? I think there's a uh, – let's see with Leary. And Leary, I saw you homered. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Um, I think – I think there's a chance Leary Garcia might not make the team. Right? Colas, Colas in right field. Sheets will make the team. Sebi Zavala will make the team. I, I think Billy Hamilton's going to make the team. But um, we'll, we'll see. Hanser Alberto is Hanser a guy. Alberto. Like, that's a, yeah, that's that's a guy I would watch out for. Speaking of, like, the clubhouse thing, like, that guy had 125 bats for the Dodgers last year. And go look at, like, Dodger, whatever their popular Dodger blog is, Dodger Blue or whatever. There's an entire piece of Dave Roberts just absolutely going nuts about Alberto's impact in the clubhouse. I think those guys like that to have that little, that de facto glue guy thing, plus they can play three or four positions, which he can do in the infield, a la uh, Leary Garcia. Those guys have a leg up. And then if you have the Romy Gonzalez that, I mean, Rick Hahn used the word Ben, or used the name Ben Zobras. That's a pretty damn big comp, right? For a guy that you believe in, I mean, Ben Zobris. So if that's the type of comp you're getting, you know, I think Leary Garcia has a lot to, a lot of work to do the rest of spring. I think he's, I think he could be a guy on the outside looking in. Ryan McGuffey, NBC Sports Chicago, the White Sox talk podcast. Good work, man. You guys are crushing it this spring and uh, we know you'll continue to do so throughout the season. Thanks for the time, Guff. Uh, Appreciate you guys. Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, if, Hanser Alberto, and I, I was told that Pedro Grafal loves Hanser Alberto. So if he loves Hanser Alberto and Rick loves Romy Gonzalez, the guy who loved Leori Garcia is no longer managing the team. So, But we know where Leori Garcia is. Obviously, Leori's around. <laughs> He's around. So, I mean, you know, that's valuable. Availability. It's an asset. Leori's around. He's yeah. like Tony Wise. He's picking up the beer cans on, on Jimmy Johnson's Lurie's boat. around. That's around. That was during a long list of possible second basemen that Rick was rattling off. I'm sure they would love us to include the context, but really, do we need to? No. <laughs> he's around. Obviously, Lurie's around. He's here. He's here. He's there. He's over where he's, oh. he's over there. Oh, God. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, give me a box of those. Lurie's around. And I'm always available unless I'm doing something. Exactly. Uh, exactly. He's going to show up on Thursdays. Leary, I think he might be free too. That's what I'm saying. It's possible. He's, go- he's going to have time. Speaks is 18th favorite baseball player of his last 30 summers. Cubs your way in 20 some odd minutes. Was that a? It was a jolt. I, yeah. got, I got a jolt. Yeah, it's coming up, buddy. Yeah. Num- num- number 18. Got work to do. No, you've been prepping. These are good. Okay. These have been very, very good. They're all archived on our YouTube page. Uh, so that's coming up in just over 20 minutes. And I'm also told that uh, we have an addition of good dad, bad dad. Those are fun. I enjoy that. Coming up on the score. How about that, huh? The world's greatest dad. <laughs> My son made it for me. That's very nice. The best in the world, which means I'm better than just number one. <laughs> well, I don't know how official any of these rankings really are. It's time for good dad, bad dad. I'm not going to call him dad. 
Brennan, you're 39 years old. I would not expect you to call him dad. Well, I'm not going to, ever. Even if there's a fire. Tales of questionable parenting. I told this kid to start cracking the books. Was he supposed to do that after he got back from the Nets game you took him to on a school night? It's got to be hard for him, this situation with us. Why don't you cut him some slack? No, that's your department. I get to be the prison warden over here while you indulge him. The iPod, the drum. Uh, again with the drums. Good dad, bad dad. With Parkins and Spiegel on 670 The Score. We should do this more often, uh, certainly because both of us have plenty of material but also to hear Tony go, again with the drums. So good. <laughs> so, so good. Every single person has had a fight in reruns with their significant other about something so dumb that you then begin to resent the item. Oh, yes. Like, like, like the stand-in <laughs> is drums. Right. Well, <laughs> that's supposedly most couples only have like two fights. I think there's only like two yeah. varieties of fights that you have. Right, sure. But, yeah. That's... I don't support you enough. You don't support me enough. <laughs> Do you know what a hamper is? You never ask me that. <laughs> never ask me anything. Yeah, Tanny, that's right. Steph says, Do you, why are your clothes on the floor when there's a oh, hamper? Why do you do that? Eight feet away. Oh. Why do you do know. that? Are you aware that you live with other people who you share common areas? I am aware of that. But, so, oh, yeah, she doesn't like that I take my socks off on the couch. She hates that there are just there's usually a pair of socks. Leave them on all the time, dude. I, I <laughs> don't never take them off ever, especially yeah, when you're getting though, comfortable. And, and you just leave your socks on the couch. So at the end, so if I got in, if I take my shoes off when I get home, yeah, and then I'm like in socks. For, if you take your shoes off when you get no, home, I, I are, take, are you not taking your shoes no, off? I take right my when shoes off when I get home, right? And then I'm walking around, hanging with the kids, whatever. Put them yeah. in bed, and you take get, off get, your socks. But I'm wearing no, but I'm wearing. I'm still usually wearing socks, uh-huh. and the socks come off when when I hit the couch, and it's you know like. Dinner is done. Dishes are done. It's a good moment. It's t- it's a great moment. You're settling in with a glass of red wine or a yeah. bowl or whatever, and you're going to figure out something to watch on Netflix. Don't need socks for this. And that's when I kick off the socks and the real relaxation sets in. And so I'm not going to stand up and walk this pair of socks up to the hamper. <laughs> you now, I could easily at the end of the night when I go to bed remember to bring the socks. Mm-hmm. But that's what the next morning's for. This makes a lot of sense. Tanny, what does he leave underneath the desk where he sits in the office every time he orders his food? Instead of throwing it away into the garbage can next to him, what does he leave there? Oh, his bag. Yeah. His bag is Wildberry bag. Yeah. Okay. You are a, a cereal bag um, lever. Bag lever. Well, yeah. And for us. <laughs> in a bag. For, for, <laughs> what's the factor on that? Yeah. No, for, for us, he will never fix that bag issue in the office. But I predict. That's my quadrant. Yeah. I predict. That you will fix the socks issue mm. in your marriage at some point. Major bagless. <laughs> you will at at a certain point pivot and start putting your socks in the hamper just to make your life easier. It's possible to possible. avoid Sorry, this that. It's supposed fight. to be about you. It's okay. It's supposed to be, about but it, you. but it could be about any of us because yes. we all try to be good dads. Yeah. I, I think I survived. But I was very, very close to being a terrible dad. All right. Decided to take Ruben and a friend of his to go see the animated shorts that are all nominated for the Oscar. The Music Box Theater, Chicago's staple. Of course. A wonderful place. Shows the the series of animated shorts. I was very excited. Oh, I'm going to expose these kids to a whole new level of, uh, of, of possibilities of what animation can be. All right. And getting ready to go over there. This sounds like a good dad move so far. Right? I feel, I feel great about it. I realized uh, yesterday morning that one of the nominees, if you'd like to pull up the nominees, you can. One of the nominees for best uh, short animated film is called The Year 
the year of penises, but they don't use that word. It's the more slang term for Richards? Penis. Yes. A year of Richards. Oh, no. Or the year of Richards, I think. Yeah. That's how we titled the Marconi nomination for this show. <laughs> when we submitted, that's what we labeled. Yeah. But, but I realized, probably don't want to take my kids to see that. Let's see. What's hmm. it about? Now, look up. It's about, I believe, a 17-year-old girl's decision to lose her virginity and what she goes through, and it's artfully done, but there's tons of pictures of Richards all throughout the thing. Sure. It's 24 minutes long, okay? Is this why I saw the super bad clip online a lot yesterday? Maybe. Remember this drawing the, oh, the Richards? I don't know. It's one of the, one of the great scenes in that Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I was addicted to... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I'm freaking out. And I'm like, a big veiny. I already bought these tickets. <laughs> I already bought three tickets to go see the animated shorts. I want to bring them there. Yeah. I can't just show them a year of Richards, the year of Richards, and then do I talk about it with them after? Is this a teachable moment? Do so, you I... to, so you're sitting through the full 24-minute short? It, it's one of six different animated shorts. It's oh, part of a 90-minute wow. show. So it's a 90-minute show. It's a 90-minute so, show. and that's So a sixth of it's going to be about Richards. <laughs> right. And you got two 10-year-olds with you? 11. 11? Yeah. They know what a Richard is. Uh, they have them. I, I, I no. I got confirmation that that would not have been good later. But I'll, I'll get to oh, that. Yeah. But I call the music box. I call the music box, and I, I talked to the, and I said I have a question about the running time of your uh, or the running order of the animated shorts. And she cut me off, and she said, uh, "The year of Richards is last, and before it plays, a thing pops up on the screen for parental advisory." Wow. So. I was like, way to go, music box. Solid. Nice. They hooked me up. And so you walked out. So we walked out. So what happened was we went to the movies, got the good popcorn, sat in the music box, went and sat all the way in the front because I knew they were going to like be chatty and I had to tell them to be quiet. There were, it was all adults in there. Sold out movie theater to see this. Sold out show at 4 o'clock on a Sunday. That really good movies, really enjoyable movies. Then that one's about to play. The screen pops up, parental guidance. We get up, me and the two 11-year-olds get up in the front row and start to leave. The entire sold-out crowd dies laughing. <laughs> of course. Of course. Because yeah. we're all so used to seeing the parental guidance thing and being and, like, good thing there's no kids here, right? Yeah. I'm the Jamoke who brought the kids. So you brought, wow. So we walk out, but they're like, oh, everybody's laughing. What a great exit this is. Ruben's like, thank you very much. Thank you. Like playing up the moment and, and having fun. So- we avoided it. So I think it's it's a good dad, but boy, it was on the table that I could have been a really bad dad. Um, on the way home, I said, they said, why did we leave? I said, because that one was about um, it was about a, about uh, some very adult stuff. And Ruben's like, you mean the no-no thing that men and women do that makes babies come? I said, why, yes. Said, why, yes. That's what it was about. The no-no thing. <laughs> Typical no-no. You don't talk about it. He <laughs> literally you told you and Christine to go have SEX. Oh, he did at one point. And yes. now we're calling it a no-no thing? In front of his friend. In front of his friend. Ugh. I think he was shy to call it that. In front of wow. The, the no-no thing. No-no. That men and women do to make babies. Yeah, but, I mean... But, perceptive. Yeah. I, I guess. I don't yeah. know. But, but, but it would have been bad to show that to him. Shout out to the music box for setting it up that way. That was well done by them. And shout out to Ruben for embracing the attention of the ovation in the theater and thinking it was for him. <laughs> I like that moment a lot. That, that shows a good, healthy, young ego on this play that he's willing to be like, yeah, thank you. Very much. Yeah, thank you. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful right there. <laughs>
That's funny. Yeah. That is that's funny. Yeah, I mean, I now all right, so you I really so do good want dad, to... bad dad, and you're giving yourself good dad. I think so. It was uh, just I, it was yeah. really close. Really well, would, close. Would it have been bad dad? To show him it, that? to show him the movie. Would have been bad dad to show the friend the movie without consent from the parents. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, that would have been bad dad. That conversation. Yeah. The kid when he gets home, we saw this movie and yeah. there was all over the place. Oh my god! Can you imagine? Where did you take my? Son? <laughs> exactly. like, you're allowed to parent Ruben. You, you can show that to Ruben at any point that you want to show it to him. But the yeah. friend, that's a no no. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Texture says bad dad, not for the movie, but for sitting in the front row at the theater. Yeah, that's tough too. Oh no, it it was a small theater. It was a little theater number two, so it was actually it, it yeah. But you out. chose the front of the theater because you were gonna have to make him quiet, not because of the exit, because you could have just chose the aisle. Right, but you were like gonna be quiet. Oh right. But what are the other people in the front row? They're still loud for them. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So which is why I was telling them to be quiet the entire. So time. I would have just just go aisle. I feel like you like they sit two seats on the aisle. You sit the third seat in, mm. so they're not sitting next to anybody. Yeah, it's possible. And then it's just the people in front and back of them. Eh, just, yeah, you know, something to think about yeah, the next I, time you bring eleven-year-olds to see R-rated films. <laughs> go see the the porn comic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the porn the, cartoon. And by the way, nice job by the Academy. They've taken a lot of heat recently. If there's a porn animated feature. That got nominated. Yeah, I, I think there's uh, there's apparently like a bit of buzz about that. That it's edgy and good for them for for accepting that movie. The other anime, I, I strongly recommend going to the music box and seeing the animated shorts, though, man. Those are really good. Really good. Do you have a Do you have a pick? Uh, yeah, there's one called "An Ostrich Told Me the World Is Fake and I Believe It." I so I, I'm I'm hoping that that one wins. It's a little wordy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a tough title. I know. There's another one called <laughs> some the, of the ones we consider or, for polls position. Actually, maybe the Ice Merchants. The Ice Merchants is beautiful. Some of these you can probably see online or streaming, but I, I don't know. But a strong recommend for the animated shorts. All right. Huh. Uh, Speaks' 18th favorite player. Who was uh, number 19 when I was out on Friday? It was Jermaine Die. White oh, Sox. Yeah. yeah. Of course, legendary uh, for memorable moments. Was he a 10? Very, very high. Okay. Not, had to have been a 9 or a 10 on the speed proprietary scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 18, next on the score. He's got a chance. Go! We're counting down the days to opening day. Happy opening day. By celebrating some of Chicago baseball's all-time greats. There go number 400. But Big Frank, you can't put it on the ball. Matt Spiegel's top 30 favorite Chicago baseball players of the last 30 years. Matt Spiegel is one of the great baseball people, and not only in this town, but across the country. From Abreu. Sox win! Sox win! On a grand slam by Jose Abreu. To Big Z. Carlos Abrado has no hit! The Houston Astros! Matt Spiegel counts us down to opening day. Wow, is that huge! Matt Spiegel's 30 players for 30 years. That's how you do it. On the Parkins and Spiegel Show on 670 The Score. Every day, 445, Spiegel's counting it down. Realize he had been in town for 30 summers. This is going to be number 31 coming up. 30 shows until opening day. Alfonso Soriano. Number 29, Ray Durham. 28, Carlos Lee. 27, Ryan Sandberg. 26, Maglio Ordonez. 25, Kyle Schwarber. 24, Big Z, Carlos Zambrano. Number 23, Black Jack McDowell. Number 22, Ryan Dempster. By the way, Jack McDowell is scheduled to be on the show tomorrow at 2.30. Number 21, Tim Anderson. 
Number 20, Alexei Ramirez. Number 19, Jermaine Dye. Number 18, Aramis Ramirez. An all-timer. Best trade in Cubs history is probably Jake Arrieta and Pedro Strope for Scott Feldman yes. and Steve Clevenger. Yes. But a close second is the deadline deal in 2003 when the Pirates were cutting payroll and they dealt Kenny Lofton and Aramis Ramirez to the Cubs for infielder Jose Hernandez and a prospect named Bobby Hill, an old-fashioned fleecing by the Cubs. Down the stretch of 03, 15 homers and 39 RBIs for Aramis Ramirez in 63 games that year, and he was terrific in the playoffs. A homer against the Braves in the first round series win. Then he tore up the Marlins on the way to what surely seemed like it was going to be a World Series, Danny. In 2003. I remember. Uh, game four of the NLCS that season. A massively memorable moment for Aramis Ramirez. No score. Cubs have a great chance. Bases loaded. One down. And the 2-2. Swinging a high fly ball. Deep left field. Back goes Conine. Conine near the wall. Looking up. That ball is a grand slam. It's a grand slam for Aramis Ramirez. Cubs lead 4 to nothing. Right down the left field line. Towering home run. Cubs lead 4-0 in the first. That's the third home run of the postseason for Ramirez. He's doubled his RBI output. This is not the same Dontrell Willis. We told you early that his stuff is short. Cubs lead 4-0 first inning. Man, that's good. Um, Three homers, seven ribbies. Uh, in that series for Aramis Ramirez. In the five seasons between 04 and 08, because you remember what happened, Danny. They went to the World Series. Remember Moises Alou made that catch of the yeah. pop-up along foul territory? Yeah, exactly. I remember. That was a great time. Yeah. Uh, five seasons between 04 and 08, Aramis never hit less than 27 homers, never drove in fewer than 92 runs, never had an OPS, or had an OPS over 900 four times. One season it was at 898. He never struck out even 100 times. He was usually in the 60s and never had less than 500 plate appearances. Amazing run. Four times he placed an MVP voting, twice in the top 10. A dependable slugger. He struggled with looking lazy. He looked apathetic. Fans got frustrated. Bob Brenly got frustrated, said some controversial stuff about him. Mark DeRosa was on the score last year, I think at some point, talked about how some players hurt themselves by how easy things come to them. A lot of my tough conversations with guys or comments that would kind of maybe be approached as a little, you know, kind of upset somebody, I did in the shower. Because at no point do I think that two men are going to go after it right there when they're stark naked with soap all over them. So I always felt like it was the perfect time to have a great conversation. I used to do it because I, I, I have a belief that Aramis Ramirez is one of the best players I ever played with. And I fell victim to it, too. I mean, Alan Trammell called me out my first year in 07 for taking plays off. I can remember it. So I just, I remember with Aramis, I had such respect for how great a player he was and the ability to drive in runs and that when he occasionally would dog it, I knew what the fans, you could see the reaction of all the Wrigley faithful. And and I would go to him. I'm like, man, these people, you know, these people pay to come see you. They're not coming to see me or Terrio or Mike Fontenot or Reed Johnson or whoever. They come to see you, and and you're you're better than that. I know you're better than that. I played against you since we were in Lynchburg, and he always took it like 
Yeah, it was bad luck. It ne- it was never met because Rammer knew I I cared about him and and knew what got him going and knew what made him tick. It's great stuff, man. I you you hit on it. Um, I feel like what I loved about him. I won't speak for all Cubs fans. He's one of, if not the most consistent Cubs ever. Showed up every year. And even the Killing year, it. like, so I went back and looked at it when you told me that this was the guy on the list. Like, because I remember also it was it was always thirty doubles, thirty homers. Like, and you could you could pencil him in for it. Mm-hmm. Even 05, when he only played one hundred and twenty three games. 30 doubles, 31 homers. Crazy. So like, like he, he was having arguably his best offensive season yep. in that five-year stretch of 03 when they acquired him through 08 that you were highlighting mm-hmm. in the fewest games, and he still got to the numbers that everyone was penciling him in for, and he missed 25% of the season. So, yeah, sometimes he, like, you know, walked into second base on a roped double, and you were like, man, well, run, respect 90, whatever the case may be. Or yeah. he'd hit one off the wall, and it'd be a little embarrassing because he would be jogging and thinking it was a home run or something like that. But, man, he always gave you his numbers. His career slash line in high-leverage situations, Danny, 301, 360, 521. That's an OPS in high-leverage situations in the clutch of 881. Damn. June 29th, 2007, Wrigley Field is packed. Cubs are playing the Brewers. Cubs had won six in a row. We're right around 500, but looking like a team that might be able to take off. Brewers ha- still had a seven-and-a-half game lead in the Central. Aramis walked it off. And now a one-run ball game. Last chance here. It's Ramirez. Fontenot still at first. The pitch to Aramis. There's a drive. Deep left center. Cubs win. That might be my favorite Len Casper call ever, by the way. Just, just that realize that's damn good. Ramirez, um, it, it was just a, a great moment. Um, limited by injury for 2009 and 2010, but even his last year as a Cub was good. 306 batting average, 26 homers, 93 RBIs. Overall, eight and a half seasons as a Cub, 239 homers, 806 RBI. In the history of the franchise, he ranks third in slugging in the history of the franchise. Sixth in OPS, sixth in home runs. 12th in RBI and is probably the second best third baseman in the history of the franchise next to Ron Santo, if not the first. Offense, I give him a 10. Defense, I give him a 7. There were a lot of errors. Vibes, I give him a 7. Teammateship, though, I'll give him a 9. And memorable moments, he gets a 9. So he adds up to 42, sits there at number 18 for the uh, top 30. Yeah, crazy good player. I thought very likable. Like, yeah, he took some criticism, but, I mean... Man, showing up and hitting, like just like every middle of the lineup, that dude was going to hit. Yeah. And you felt like you had a run producer and he was going to be there every day. And it was awesome, man. He was he was very easy to root for. Led the league in doubles in 2012 with Milwaukee. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Like at, at, at 34 years old, had, had, had 50 doubles. His career numbers are like actually like, I guess I kind of forgot how long he played. He comes up, yeah, because 386 uh homers, 495 doubles. He had a huge year in Pittsburgh as a 23-year-old with 34 homers and 112 ribs. 2,300 hits for a Ramos. That's a pretty damn good career. That's a great, I mean, it's not a Hall of Famer, but it's really good. Very good. 2,300 career hits, 386 bombs for Aramis Ramirez. Like like Soriano, it's one of those guys that I I feel 
was unfairly maligned on some level while he was still putting up numbers. The franchise tag deadline is tomorrow. Some news already trickling out that could impact the Bears. We'll give you the updates on that, and you'll also hear Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus in a way you probably haven't heard him before. It's all coming up. Park at the Speak on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 